Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 102. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Happy New Year. Uh, you made it through 2020 all right, I hope, and here we are in 2021 and New Year, and I hope that you had a great time over the holidays. We certainly did. We're readjusting after about nine days up at uh, <laughs> my wife's parents, and we had a good time up there. I'll tell you what, I, I did a, a lot of hunting, um, was able to hunt with her brother and take a guy named Adam out again, and had another great encounter with a big buck up there on this one property that I had permission to hunt. Um, giant buck, just wasn't able to get the shot. He was about 80 yards out. Wind kind of messed things up. Um, was able to get it on video, which was cool. And um, I tell you, this property is insane. I, I saw between 20 and 25 deer every time I hunted there. It was just um, overpopulated probably, but I was just pumped to um, be there, be able to hunt, and have a good time. Uh, got back home, and last night I went out and I shot a buck. <laughs> and I have this feeling right now of just absolute like relief, excitement, euphoria. It's just awesome that it all came together. But I'm going to save that story for the next episode. So come back for episode 103, and I'm going to unpack how the season went and what happened last night where I was finally able to seal the deal on a buck. This week, however, we're, uh, you notice first off, it's a different release date. So a few things. I'm going to be working on trying to figure out when the best time to release the podcast is because I don't believe Sundays at midnight is probably the best. Um, so I'm going to do some analytics and we'll see. Uh, so just be looking. Make sure you hit subscribe and it won't matter. You'll get these whenever they come out. I am not promising one episode a week like I did last year. I'll just say I'm going to get them out whenever I can get them. And if you would like to come on the show, that would help. So I'm not always trying to chase down guests. Guests come to me. Uh, shedding light OD at gmail.com. I would love to hear your stories. We do that on Zoom, Skype, whatever's convenient for you. You can do it on your cell phone and it works just fine. So reach out to me if you have any stories. I'm sure you just came through a hunting season where maybe you've uh, had some stories and I'd love to hear them. You know, on this podcast, we don't just stick to whitetails. However, that's what we've talked a lot about over the last few weeks. And so I want to switch gears this week. Um, and I had a guest reach out to me and tell me that uh, he was able to get two bulls in five seconds with his father-in-law. And I, I wanted to hear that story about elk because I love elk hunting. I was hoping to go this year. Probably not going to go this year the way things are, are going. But um, I tell you, I love it. And Justin Schroeder is our guest today. Originally from Alaska, moved to Colorado. Years uh, spent chasing some elk. And this year it came together for him and not just him but his father-in-law he does a great job telling these stories buckle up it's a fun one here we go justin schroeder all right guys i have justin schroeder on the line from uh colorado justin how you doing man i'm doing very well how about you Oh, doing good, man. Just uh, got home today from a crazy week at uh, the in-laws. <laughs> a lot of Christmas and all of that. And uh, we're headed back up there for New Year's. How about you? Oh, nice. Uh, we spent Christmas at my in-laws also. And that was a full day of craziness, you know, having fun, getting together with family that we haven't seen of live in California. And New Year's, I don't know if I'm going to be working or I don't. I don't know yet. All my days seem to run together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. I tell you what, that I love it. I love. I. I. I I'm fortunate to have like some great in laws. Like I love uh, my wife's parents, and I get along great with them and uh, her brother. And I love being up there. Like I get to do a lot of extra hunting and. Uh, 
uh, my, my mother-in-law is great about keeping the girls and so I can get out and hunt a lot, but I tell you what, there's no place like home. It's good to be home and just be in my own bed. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? I mean, I was, I just want to get home and kick my boots off and all right, kids, it's bedtime. Dad's going to go relax. You know? Yeah. Well, Justin, get this. So uh, we we took the kids up there for the week and everything, and then my mother in law was like, "Why don't you just keep the kids here until New Year since you're coming back up?" So I came home and I am kidless from now until Thursday. So uh, that's 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 kind of a nice deal there. <laughs> I, wish, I wish my I wish my laws did that. That would sound pretty nice right about now. Uh, I know, I know. Uh, well, Justin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Give us a little bit of your background and uh, let us know who you are. Well, like you said, my name is Justin Schroeder. Uh, I currently reside in Colorado, southeast, uh, southwest corner, right there by the four corners where all four states meet, about, I don't know, 30 miles west. Uh, I am actually originally from Alaska, Anchorage, Alaska. I've been mm-hmm. back and forth since I was about four years old. So I know the ins and outs, you know, of quite a few states traveled yeah. a bunch. But mainly, mainly all I did was fish with me and my dad in Alaska. You know, down here, my, my parents, you know, they weren't much fishermen, you know. So I'd go out and, hey, mom, I'm going to go fishing. All right, son, go ahead. And, hey, can you take me down by the, by the bridge and let me fish? Yeah, yeah, sure. But then when I got back home to Alaska, that's when the serious fishing began. You know, catching, <laughs> catching king salmon, catching red salmon, silver salmon. And for about five five months, that's all we did was uh, river fish out in the salt water, catching halibut, snagging. You know, if if anybody wants to get a hold of me, I would tell you where the spots are where the locals go. Go, you know. Oh man, I have to fight the crowds. Oh, buddy, people are going to be calling you now. I tell you, I, I should have called you before I went to Alaska. So uh, my wife, actually, before we were married, we went on a cruise through Alaska, and one of our stops was Anchorage. And then um, we I'm not sure, I can't remember where we were. We did some salmon fishing. <laughs> but I guess I didn't know exactly how that worked. But uh, for us, we were on this boat, and we went out with this guy, and we threw our lines off the back, and then we went inside and tried to stay warm um, and just waited for something to kind of grab our line. Nothing did. Um, the, the only excitement of that two and a half hours on that boat was the bald eagles coming down trying to steal the bait fish off our lines. <laughs> now, that bald, bald eagles are fun, to, even to yeah. feed them. Uh, back when we go to this 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 lake, it's full of northern pike, and the eagles sit on their their their, breed, their perches, and you reel a fish in and you just throw it in the air, and the eagles oh, yeah. scoop them. Yeah. It's insane. Like, I I couldn't believe, like, I mean, they were coming down and like, they're almost like a a, a nuisance in a way, you know? Pretty much. I mean, there are people say, oh, the, you can't see a bald eagle. No, that's a lie. Go to Alaska. They're all over the dang place. (laughs) Just like seagulls in Seattle. Yeah. Yes. So when, so how old were you when you moved from Alaska to Colorado? Well, I I was, I was four. Okay. But but when I turned 10, I was back and forth between those age groups, 4 and 10. But when I turned 10 years old, I permanently, I permanently moved to Alaska with my father. Oh, okay. Gotcha. And that's that's when the serious, uh, I should say, the, fear, the, the serious frenzy of fishing went. Yeah. 
Okay. So a lot of salmon fishing and, and doing that. Not a ton of hunting though. You said maybe some small game type thing. Yeah. We would go shoot uh ptarmigan and grouse and rabbits, you know, on uh snow machine rides, you know, Oh, look, there's some uh, grouse. Okay. Let's shoot a couple. And then, and then you put them in the, in the cooker on the older uh, snow machines. It's called a can cooker. Pop, you pop up the hood and they're set on the side and, you throw whatever you wanted in there. By the time you stopped again, it was already cooked for you. So you had a hot oh. meal. Huh. That's cool. Now, you said a, t- a tar- tar- What was that? T-A-R- uh, a, tar- a ptarmigan? I don't even know what that is. It's a, it's a, they live, they live in the high, above a tree line. Okay. Basically in the tundra. And they're, they're all white. In the wintertime, they're hard. They're hard to find and hard to see until they fly. Yeah, and they're not like a grouse. Grouse, you know, they can sneak up on and shoot them. Ptarmigan, they got their wits and they know where you are at all times. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I have to look that one up. Very cool. Yeah, and we do. We did. We do a lot of ice fishing in Alaska too. That's what we mostly did in the wintertime was ice fish and just. Ice fish, you know, that's, that's yeah. uh, very cool. Yeah. I imagine that has to be like a little bit. So what's, uh, <laughs> for those of us that didn't grow up in Alaska, what would you say the difference is growing up in Alaska as, a, as opposed to growing up in the lower 48? Was there any major differences? Uh, once you fish in Alaska, you never fish the same way again. You will never think of fishing the same way again. <laughs> it kind of ruins you on fishing, huh? It, yeah, it, it does. Cause, uh, down here in Colorado, you know, yeah, they got pike and stuff and people say, yeah, we got salmon, you know, and it's like, yeah, you got little 16 inchers, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, 42 pound king salmon, you know, and river fishing salmon. Yeah. But all in all, fishing's fun, you know. I, I like to catch fish, you no know, no matter where I'm at. Yeah. But I give you one more thing. The winters will either make you or break you. Mm. Why is that? Because sometimes in Anchorage it can it can be negative twenty for weeks on end. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that got me while I was there was uh, I can't remember when we went. But I just remember it was it, it never got dark. Like I just remember being in the hotel that one night and I was like, when is it gonna get dark out? And I opened looked at my watch and it was like two AM. I'm like, it just never gets dark here on certain times of the year. Yeah, I got a funny story to tell you. We were down at our uh, property down there and uh, you know, we're sitting by the campfire, you know, and just you know, talking along, having a good time. You know, the sun's still up, you know, it's still bright. And all of a sudden I'm like, Dad, what time is it? He's like, Oh, it's three AM. Oh, you have to be, go down by the ocean at five, and that's a two-hour drive. <laughs> so, needless to say, no sleep that day, but it was still oh, fun. That's awesome. That's that's wild. So, what brought you from Alaska to Colorado to, to live where you live now? Uh, it's just life, I guess, you know. Yeah. You know, time in my time in Alaska, you know. Once you get there, you're pretty much trapped, is what they say. Because <laughs> if you drive 500 miles north, you're still in Alaska. Yep. Drive 500 miles south, you're still in Alaska. Yeah. You know, and the low 48 just has so much more to offer, you know, by state wise. Yeah. But nothing compares to, you know, the last frontier, of course. Yeah. Gotcha. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's dive into some hunts now. You reached out to me and told me about one hunt in particular that I'm interested in, but it has to deal with elk. So, when did you first start elk hunting? Well, I first started elk hunting when I met, met my uh, my wife. Actually, uh, her dad been hunting Colorado, it's where he's from, for over you know, say forty years. And when I met her. She's like, yeah, my dad goes elk hunting. I'm like, oh, really? Like, I've, I've probably elk hunted one time. I just drove the road. Of course, I didn't see nothing, you yeah. know. And then finally, you know, uh, November came. He's like, hey, do you want to go elk hunt with me? I'm like, yeah, sure. Let's let's try it, you know. And of course, we were, of course, I was unsuccessful because I got a bull tag, you know, the first couple of years, and and he got his cow tags, you know. And I seen how, you know, to sneak up on him and shoot him and you know, whatnot, but I've really, the past couple of years, I've really got into it, you know, full-fledged, full bore. Full you know, that let's do this thing, you know. Yeah. So, I think, yeah, me too. Like, so 2016 was my first uh, rifle uh, hunt out there, and it, it was just, it was just wild. I mean, just a big country trying to chase these, these big critters down, Um and it's challenging. I mean, people think that it's just easy. Like you just like you watch on TV and, you know, you, you got a rifle, you can shoot 400 yards or more. And so you can just see them out there on a rock slide someplace, sneak up and shoot. And it's not always that easy from what I understand <laughs> and what I experienced. How about you? No, I mean, those elk are so smart. They, they know where you are before you even know where they are. Yeah. You know, one little crunch and the whole mountain just erupts. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you didn't even know they were even there so then the chase begins you know you're running after them and they're getting ahead of you and finally they cross the canyon and you're just like forget it and i'm not going i'm not going to go down in that canyon you know? <laughs> yeah so tell us some of those uh those first stories or any of those stories that kind of revolve around that justin uh paint a picture for us of you know what elk hunting's been like for you well elk hunting here in colorado i mean it's is very vast, you know. There's, like you know, there's so much open territory of 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 country that you don't even know where to begin. You know, you talk to people, and you know, you can go from sagebrush to top of mountains. You know, where there's where there's just pine trees, no bears, just elk and deer. You know, and you can be in the flats and in the desert. You know, it it all it all just it's all I put this it's like, like I said so vast of different ranges you can go from mm-hmm. you can go from four feet of snow like I was trudging in four years ago to no snow you know in a matter of 4,000 feet yeah you know it's, it's it's a whole different ball game when you're hunting elk yeah and people say oh it's elk hunting it's easy I don't know who you're talking to, but <laughs> or where you're at, <laughs> or where you're yeah. at, you know. But obviously, you're somewhere where I'm not, you know. Yeah, and we, we hike about we hike at least sixty miles a trip. You oh know? wow! And you know, it might be the same spot multiple days in a row or a different spot. You know, the the hunting used to be nine days. Well, they should have cut it back to five days. Hmm. Because the elk are getting so much smarter that they're already headed to, bean, to the bean fields, which that's their winter grounds by second season. Yeah. So, and that's in October. And I yeah. hunt in November, you know, third season. 
so it's a lot harder okay so you're you're hunting third season is that all you've ever hunted or have you ever tried to do any of the earlier seasons uh just third season i got a muzzleloader for christmas this year so we're going to put in for muzzleloader and that's that's in september yeah oh yeah (laughs) so maybe i can hear uh hear some elk bugle you know oh man yeah that's 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 where it's at so i went in second season and i i gotta say from second season it just seemed like there's no way that i was going to be far enough back in on foot i was trying to hike back in and i was not in good enough shape at all to go and i just remember I, i still have dreams justin of like i'm there and i'm trying to get over that last mountain that i got to and i still wasn't far enough back in and i always wonder what's over the next ridge and i'm wanting to get back in and every time i start to head that direction i wake up in my dream (laughs) i've had that dream like three or four times probably and it just haunts me because i want to know what's beyond that hill and i and i think that's second season so third season it's got to be all that much harder to try and find these elk yeah, the elk either either up high or down low. I mean, if yeah. if the weather pushed them, then it's in your favor being down low, or else they're up high, and that's where everybody else is at, and you're trekking through, you know, two to three feet of snow. Which the elk they don't care, you know. Mm-hmm. If they have if they have open open grass or somewhere to eat, they'll stay there all winter long. Yeah, you know, from my experiences, you know, what my father was telling me, and everybody tells me, you know, that they hunt third season that it's either a hit or a miss mm-hmm. you know i've eaten pack soup you know for past you know like i said five six years okay but this year that changed this year that all changed all i'm gonna right, tell us about so, it. well it all started you know three days before hunting season started me and my father-in-law were texting back and forth hey you gonna buy a note tag no are you gonna buy a note tag no and then very hey, it was Friday, the day before hunting season. He goes, he texts me, Hey, I bought an elk tag. I'm like, What? I thought you said you weren't gonna buy an elk tag. He's like, Well, weather's coming in. I bought one. Well, you know what? Well, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go buy one too. Maybe we can get lucky. Heck, I don't know. We'll shoot for the best. You know, this is over the counter bull tags, which you can buy before the season starts, you know, and you, and you can hunt anywhere in the state. Mm with that tag well saturday we get up and it's pouring down rain i mean it's just raining cats and dogs and of course you know we go to this this little knob uh that we always hunt every year we always hunt this little knob because if they get pressure during second season they go to this little knob and of course we were hunting mule deer at the time too so that that holds some deer in there also well we drive in there with the jeep you know quiet and he goes, all right, you get out here. I'm like, okay, cool. So I turn my GPS on, and he goes, I'm going to drive up, park the Jeep, and I'll get out, and then I'll tell you when I'm ready. All right, cool, right on. So he turned on his GPS, and he messaged me, hey, let's start walking. Well, he's on top of the knob, and I'm on one of the benches. There's probably about four benches before it gets to the top. And normally, you know, we have, you know, four guys, you know, covering, you know, each bench. You know, probably about 100 yards apart from each other. Well, this year, just me and him. Well, we start walking in there. Of course, it's still raining like crazy, you know, and that, that's the best time to hunt animals, I, I believe, you know, is in, the, is in the rain because everybody else is back at camp already. Mm-hmm. We start walking in there, and all of a sudden, I hear this, like a, 
a grown man just yell like, hey, I'm like, what in the world is that? Like, I've never heard this in the woods before. And it's just me and my father-in-law. I call him on the radio. I'm like, did you just holler or something? He's like, what are you talking about? I never said nothing. Then all of a sudden, hey, again. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? And by this time, the hair back of my neck stands up, you know, and I'm like, all right, I have a gun, but what can see me, but I can't see it. (laughs) And, you know, and, you know, you might, your mind just starts racing. And then all of a sudden I hear this crow call. I'm like, all right, well, that sounds like a normal crow. Not even five seconds later, something the crow died. I'm like, what? I'm, and by this point, I'm, you know, I'm shaking in my boots, you know. And I'm not cold, by no means, but I'm like, oh my god, I have to get out of these woods. Like, I am like, I'm, I'm scared at this point because I never experienced this in this part before, never, you know. And so I start take off walking fast, walking fast, walking fast, and you know, and my father-in-law says. Stop, stop, you're walking too fast. I said, well, I just heard some noises back there. I didn't know what they were. And he's like, I don't know. He's all, probably a mountain lion got something. Heck, I don't know. Well, so we get out of there. You know, we didn't see nothing, of course, you know. Well, we start driving the Jeep to the spot we hunt for elk. And uh, on the main road, here comes uh, this guy he works with. And he stops and goes, hey, there's a five-by-five bull over on this one ridge side. He said, okay. He goes, I'm after cows. You know, he didn't see no cows. And so, all right, cool. We'll go check it out. Well, this is part of this mountain called Benchmark. And my father never hunts it because it's so, it's, it's crowded full of out-of-staters, you know, local people always hunt it, always. Well, we pull up in there and the first spot we were going to glass that, you know, was taken by some people hunting meadow. So we pull up a little bit this little pull off to the left. We take that, and across across from us is another is a uh, hillside, you know. So 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 it's a ravine from our side to that side. And by that by this time it was like ten o'clock, and he's like, "All right, well, we're gonna stop here and eat lunch." You know, of course it's still raining, and he looks through the binos and like, "Holy cow, there's a cow elk over there." I'm like, "Nah, you're full of it," you know. And sure enough, I pulled my binos up, and there's a cow elk. She just, you know, she's just moving along slow. He's like, well, she's about to lay down. This this is about, you know, 10.45, and sure enough, she laid down. And he's like, well, around 3 o'clock, she'll get back up. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like, you know the elk pattern, you know. And uh, sure enough, you know, noon goes by, you know, eat lunch, and sure enough, here comes around 3 o'clock. She stands up. I'm like, I look at him like, how do you know this? And her calf stands up. I go, okay, okay, we got something going on here. Well, they start heading down the mountain on their side. So we get out of the Jeep, you know, we, we're on our side of the mountain, you know, we, so we start tracking them down, tracking them down. And all of a sudden, you know, it comes to like a, like a bend in the hillside, you know. So we go around this bend and they start, you know, working their way down still. And, all of a sudden, we got the high advantage, and it's about 500 yards to, from where we are to where they're at. And uh, he looks down. Oh, man, there's some more elk. And I popped up, and 
albinos and there was elk after elk after elk. There had to have been at least 30, 30 to 45 head in there. And oh, no one, wow. nobody else was there except for us. And there was cows and there was calves and there was spikes. I mean, big spikes. Like we, we seen this one spike. He had to be three foot tall. Wow. And we seen one legal bull. But we only got a glimpse of him. By the time my father-in-law picked up his his gun to see through his scope, he was already, you know, in the in the brush. So he was like, "All right, well, we'll come back in the morning." By this time, it's four o'clock, and the hail came down, and it darkened dark so quick we couldn't see, and hail was hitting us in the ears and the face, you know. So we got out of there. Well, the next morning, he's like, "All right, let's go." So we go to the same spot. And of course, what do I do? I forget my, my GPS. <laughs> <laughs> so luckily it snowed, you know, so I can see footprints, you know. And he goes, all right, we're going to go. You you walk down to the very bottom, which is about, about you know, half a mile down to the bottom, down the hill. And you go down there and you see, if you see any elk, elk sign down there, I'll stay up here and watch it with my binos and Another GPS, you know, he has his, but I don't have mine. And there are also two-way radios, which is cool. Those, those Garmin Rhinos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, are pretty nice GPSs, which we have. So it's, it's nice to see where we're at with, with each other. Well, I go, of course, I go down the bottom, and I'm looking around. I don't see nothing. So I look, I find him in my binos. I wave at him. He points me to the Jeep. So, all right, cool. Well, between him, me going back up, and him pointing to me at the Jeep, He's seen elk probably 500 more yards beyond where I was. And, you know, of course, we have no way of communicating with each other. So I end up back at the Jeep. And there's other people at the Jeep. And I'm like, how's it going, guys? And they're like, good, good, good. You about you, you missed 60 head. Really? Yeah, 60 head of elk. Were, you know, where were you down there further than where you were? I'm like, all right, well, I know my father-in-law. He's already after him. I told those guys, all right, see you later. I'm bailing off the side of the mountain. Well, I go back to where me, me and him split up, and I just followed his foot tracks all the way. I found, I kept following, kept following, and his tracks would zigzag, zigzag, back and forth, up and down, and in, in the mix of that, there's elk tracks going everywhere else. I'm like, I'm like hope I, I hope I picked the right track to follow. <laughs> you know I'm yeah. like, i don't know where he, where he could be well i finally found him and i seen him i seen him before i got too close to him about half a mile is where i finally found him he had his gun pointed up at these elk on the other side of the ridge where we were looking at the previous day and the elk had no idea where, where we were at you know they were just grazing along you know along this along this uh elk the, the brush the oak brush and this oak brush, you know, it's pretty tall and it's thick, you know, it's thick in there. And so we were, you know, we're glassing, glassing, all we see is cows and calves and spikes. And he thought he'd seen one shooter bull, but he did, he wasn't sure. And well, they kept feeding their way along the along that ridge side over there. And we were, of course, we were on the other side about 400 yards away. And, you know, of course, they had no, no clue where we were, you know, we were quiet and we were following them. Well, we come to this little clearing and they start coming out, coming out, cows, cows, cows. And sure enough, I look up top of the mountain 
here comes five more hunters coming straight down. Mm. I'm like, I'm like, are you serious right now? Like you see us across this ridge, you know, but you don't care, you know. And then they just keep coming down, coming down. Well, the elk heard them. The elk heard them, and it's and you, and you could and you could tell because they got nervous. Well, all of a sudden, kaboom! They shoot, and the elk just scatter. We we're like, we we're like, oh well, here we go. Hunt's over, you know. Well, we gather our thoughts up and like, hey, let's cut them off. Let's run up our hillside and cross. All right, cool. So that was the plan. We ran up probably about 40, 40 to 50 yards. No, we didn't run, you know, we, you know, speed walk, you know, through our, through the maze of snow and oak brush, you know, trying to make our way through. And sure enough, my elk, elk, elk. So we both stopped. And uh, he's like, all right, walk up about 20 more yards. And I didn't even make it that far. And they, and they spotted me. I just, I threw my six, five up and I looked and there was cow, 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 spike, cow, cow. And I seen bull and I shot, you know, I seen he was legal and I shot. Well, I reloaded pretty quick. Not even five seconds later, my father-in-law, kaboom, shoots his 338. I'm like, what the heck? And like, did, did you shoot one? He's like, heck, I don't know. That trio's in the ground was shaking too dang hard to, to know. And of course, then all the elk are gone, you know. So, you know, <laughs> it, it was about 100 yards away. We go down in the, middle, in, in the ravine, you know, come back to the other side. And I'm like, you see any blood? I'm like, no. Well, let's do this. Let's do a little loop. Well, we walked down a little bit and we, we thought we walked far enough, far enough, but we didn't, you know. Well, we come back up and, man, do you know where were you standing at? Well, I was standing over here looking at this one. Where were you standing at? Well, I was standing over here looking at this other one. He's like, well, there must have been two different bulls because the bull you're describing wasn't standing right there where I was shooting. I'm like, all right. Well, he's all, let's scan the area. All right. He goes, I'll get low. I'll get low. You get up high. So we start walking and not even like 30 seconds later. All right. I found mine. I'm like, man, wish I would have got one. You know, I was thinking in my head, did I miss? There's no way I missed. And he's like, are you sure you shot one at one? Yeah, I'm, I'm 100% positive. He goes, all right, well, start walking. Walk down that green and just follow it to so there's no more elk tracks. I'm going to tag this one out, you know, start start gutting it out and start to quarter it. I'm like, all right, well, I'll start walking along, you know, like Eeyore, I suppose. <laughs> you know, and all of a sudden, well, 30, 30 seconds later, I'm a hooping and a hollering. And I, I, I got a bull down, too. And, of course, you know, it was a four-by-four. Four, but if you counted the kickers, you know, they see you put a ring on it, it counts. Yeah. Well, it was a six-by-four a, a if you count that, you know. And yeah. I told him, I told him, hey, come on down here and come check out mine, you know. So, you know, and he's, he's not the, the, the huggiest type of guy, you know. You know. If I shoot something, you know, I get real excited, you know. And, of course, it was my first elk. And I just wanted to hug somebody, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, you know, forget it. Let's hug. So we hugged, you know, and after he left, you know, I, I said a little prayer to God, you know, and I say, hey, Heavenly Father, thank you for this, for this time, you know, and I prayed the night before and I was like, man, Lord, we, we need this meat. You know, it's been four years to put an elk in the, in the freezer. And sure enough, God is good. You know, he provided two elk. <laughs> two in, elk in five, five seconds. 
in five seconds. And me and my father and I were like, now, now the fun is over. I'm like, <laughs> yep, yeah. sure enough. And from to where from where we were to the to the Jeep was 0.6 miles, but that's going over two two hillsides, well, two mountain ridges. And we were like, yeah, this is gonna be fun. Yeah, that's and a he, lot of meat. And he told me this is why. I don't hunt this area because I can't drive my side by side to it and pick it up and load it up and take it home. By the way, <laughs> I'm like, yep, exactly. And it, you know, and he never. Uh, this is the first time in 25, no, his whole life that he's hoarded an animal. You know, normally he just takes the side by side to his truck to it, you know, and pick it up. Oh man, yeah. yeah. That's nice. And yeah, and you're telling me, and I was like, all right, well, we got to pack this these suckers out. Well, I started keeping mine, and he started doing his, and he got done with his, of course, faster than me, you know. Then he, you know, he came over, you know, he helped me a little bit, and by the time all said and done, it was about 2.30. We only had three hours of light left, and we, we shot both of them at, you know, around 9.30 in the morning. And, of course, you know, there's about four inches of snow on the ground, and I'm like, all right, well, let's go up. And of course, we don't have frame packs or nothing, you know, today, you know, on us. Well, all right, let's go. Well, we, we packed uh, four four back straps out, you know, because, you know, two apiece, four back straps, two front shoulders, and a head out though, that time, that, that, that first wow. day. Wow. And, and we were beat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bet that until a person puts an elk quarter on their back, you just can't fathom how heavy no. those things are. I, I helped a guy pack one out this uh, 2019 and I, I put a quarter and we, I had some extra junk on there and I, th- and I had to go straight up over this Ridge and it wasn't that far. Like you said, like distance doesn't mean anything whenever you've got <laughs> over 60, 70, 80 pounds on your back. I mean, it's, it's a lot. Oh, yeah, and we don't have frame packs, you know, so we're just shoving everything in our backpack, you know. Oh, I can't imagine. So we get back to the Jeep, the, the first trip, you know, with with the back straps, and they're like, oh, man, here we go, seven more trips. You know, and, and each way is <laughs> 0.6 miles. Yeah. And we're like, here we go. Well, you know, like I said, uh, first, so we got up the first time, and there were some guys from Texas up there, and we're like, yeah. We, we got two bulls down. They're like, you know, they're, yeah, congratulations, you know, but, you know, they're probably thinking, yeah, yeah, right, you know. You know, that's how that's how we, you know, took it. Well, we go back down, we, we grab their heads, we grab the two front quarters and headed back up we came. And sure enough, they were still there when we got back. And we're like, see, told you. They're like, oh, man. <laughs> we guys weren't lying. You know what? Well, <laughs> <laughs> no we weren't you know so you know it was getting dark at this time and so we loaded the heads up and the front quarters up and, and then we start talking to these guys and they you know and they're looking through the binoculars and there's elk running right underneath them oh wow and we're like you see those elk where 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 right underneath you that first ridge you see that that uh, elk brush in the opening and the other oak, oak brush that looks on the oranges yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah we see it see those elk right there where, where? We're just like, all right, boys, we're gonna, we're gonna go home. We're beat. <laughs> so, so we get to the house, you know, and 
of course, you know, we don't have no cell phone service, you know, so, you know, the wives are calling, you know, and everything, and we're telling them, yeah, we only got one, one bull down, <laughs> you know, and we get to the house and we show up and there's, you know, two bulls, you know, they're like, what? I shot two bulls. Yeah. Within five seconds. <laughs> you know, no way. Well, we did. Well, we called my, my brother-in-law up and he's like, Hey, can you come help us tomorrow? He's like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I can help you guys, you know. Oh, thank God he did, because that night, that night it snowed ten inches. Oh man, <laughs> you know. So luckily we had our GPS coordinates, you know, of where the meat were, meat was, and we go down there, and this has to be the most rookiest mistake ever. We didn't have game bags, so the bird oh. got five pounds of of meat, you know. Hmm. And, you know, we, you know, we weren't even thinking of it. You know, we weren't thinking, you know, we we're going to shoot two bulls and, you know, five seconds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, of course, one of the game bags to throw it, you know, but we hid everything in the snow. But, nope, part of half of, uh, part of my hindquarter, you know, probably about five pounds right there by the hip got eaten. And same with his, you know, but, you know, you win some and you lose some. Yeah, and it's, it's got to be different, too. I mean, as a non-resident, you know, I'm packing everything, and I've got everything with me. But since you live out there, it's, it's a different different ball game. You can kind of make some trips, and if you get one, you can run back to the house and get what you need, and it's a little bit different, you know. Yeah, well, normally we, we camp out there, you know. Yeah. But, you know, it was it was a last-minute, you know, bull tag that we got. Of course, we got deer tags, and we can go out in the bean fields, you know, and, you know, shoot a deer, you know. You know, that that's no problem. You know, but we were like, all right, we're after elk. Let's try to get some elk. And sure enough, you know, we, we got the elk and we brought everything back home. And of course, I didn't have a, a frame fab. You know, my, my brother in law did and my father in law did. And I was carrying that hind quarter strapped to my back. And what what's funny is, the elk's testicles were right there by the, at the end of my backpack. So every time I would walk, they would flap. <laughs> and my, <laughs> my brother in law would just start laughing. I'm like, what is so funny? He's like, the, elk, the, the elk's nuts are hitting your ass every time you start walking. <laughs> and, and we just lost it, you know? And of course, it's still snowing on us, you know? And, yeah. Finally, we get to the Jeep, you know, and we have, you know, good laughs and bring everything home. And what do I do? I throw my backpack downstairs because, you know, it's full of blood, you know, and the wife yeah. for me. Well, that didn't happen. The dogs chewed on it. Oh, no. Ate the zippers off and everything. So now I'm going to hunt for a new frame pack, a new backpack for next year. Oh, man. Well, I, might, um, I have two, so I might be able to hook you up. All right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right on. Oh, man. That's, that's a great story. That's incredible. You know, it, it, it's crazy that, you know, we ended up with 147 pounds of hamburger. Mm. Uh, we, we ended up with over 200 steaks. Mm. You know, it's, you know, yeah, you know, and it, you know, with, with this pandemic, you know, and the meat shortage is going on, you know, God is good, you know, he, he provides when, when he thinks you need it the most. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. And I, I'm just, I think it's neat, you know, you thanking God for, for the animal. And, and it's, 
I think some guys thank God for different reasons. You know, you thank God for, you know, the experience. You thank God maybe for the antlers <laughs> that you got. Uh, but probably most importantly, we do thank him, I think, for not only the experience, but for the meat. You know, that's 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 the big part. That's what we're after. It's not just the the thrill and of the kill. It's it's also the prize that, you know, once you get the animal down. Yeah, exactly. And like by any and like we say, it's all fun and games till you pull that trigger. Yeah. <laughs> it's work, man. That's work. Then, especially out there. Especially out then, there. Then the work begins. Mm. You know, well, so I was, I was listening to, you know, your, your podcast before, and you know, how you say your wife, you know, you spend a lot of time hunting and not a lot of time with their family, you yeah. know, and, well, you know, like my wife, she knows, like, right when Halloween's over, hunting's about to start, <laughs> you know, so she knows a whole week, I'm either going to be home every night or we're going to be sleeping in the mountains, you know, and you know, unlike you guys, you know, we don't have a long season, you know, yeah. of course. Yeah, that, that is what's making, I mean, September, end of September, September 30th, clear through February in Ohio, I can bow hunt. And that is such a long time, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of time in there, but I tell you what, it's, so trying to condense it all into a week, that would be crazy for sure. You know, it, it's crazy to fathom, to fathom that, you know, uh, you know, four or five months hunting in a week yeah you know so you got to plan you know from out of state you know i i get where you're from you know you guys have to plan a year in advance yeah it, it know, takes but, a lot of planning so ohio like hey travis uh any any deer yeah come on over all right how many months do i got <laughs> <laughs> uh well yeah uh yeah that's true man it's it's different completely different so well, Justin, I'll tell you what, that's a fantastic story. And that's such an incredible way to get your, your first elk down. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, congratulations, man. Well, thank you. You know, it, you know, it, it means a lot, you know, because a couple of years ago, my wife, my wife teases me. Well, not no more, but she used to tease me because we were elk hunting at this different spot where we go. And, uh, like I said, when you take one step and the whole mountain erupts, well, sure enough, you know, I walk around this corner, not thinking nothing of it. And I take a drink of water in my out of my camel pack and the whole mountain erupts. You know, there's elk everywhere. And, you know, me and my father law meet up and I'm like, hey, well, there, there's elk right here. You know, I ran I ran into their bedding area. He's all right, well, I'll go down to this bottom of the canyon, you know, and see what we can see. And you you just stay straight ahead and see what you can see. All right, cool. You know, I'm walking through these open meadows, you know, open meadows, huge meadows. And I look, I look probably 50 yards to my right. And, oh my God. There's a big, the biggest bull I have ever seen in my life. You know, just walking, looking behind him, not looking at me. You know, he didn't know where I was at, you know, even though I'm standing in this open meadow. And I'm like, all right, here we go. And at this point in time, and I'm shooting a 325 short mag, you know. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, Justin, just just calm down. You know, you're shaking. You're shaking. Go down to a knee. All right, cool. I dropped down to a knee. Well, there's this lone, picture this, open meadow, right? But a lone pine tree, probably about seven foot. That's it. And this elk is growing right behind it. So it gives you plenty of time, enough time to take it back, back off, you know, and get the shot, perfect shot ready. Well, I, I see him in the scope. I'm looking. All right. Well, I'm gonna wait till he 
you know, steps forward, you know, so I can get a good, good artery shot. Well, I shoot, boom. And I see him, you know, stop and throw his hooves in the ground like he was hit. And I start hooping and hollering, yeah, I got, I got a bull, I got a bull. Well, he starts walking away and I start, I start trying to do my bolt on my gun and I forget how it works. I'm like, what is going on? Why, why won't this thing open? <laughs> you know, and and by that time he's already down off down off the edge. I'm like, dang it, here we go. We're gonna track this sucker. My father-in-law comes running up. I heard you shoot. Where's the bull? I'm like, uh, he's over there. What do you mean he's over there? Well, I, I forgot how my bolt worked, so I couldn't get another shot off. So, <laughs> so we start tracking and tracking and tracking, and finally found some blood. And we start walking, 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 and. You know, I don't think it's a very, very good shot, you know, because there's hardly any blood, you know, and it's not, it's not splattered anywhere. You know, it's just a drop here, drop there. Well, we follow it and all of a sudden the track stopped. Like, what in the heck? Well, the elk was so smart. He walked backwards in his own track and went a different direction. Uh By that time, by that time, there was so many, so much elk track, you know, we, we tracked them for 14 miles, seven hours later. And we were like, you know, he, he, he's probably, he's probably okay. Yeah. Wow. Mm. So that was the joke for four years running. Make sure you shoot again and don't get excited. <laughs> well, you didn't need to this year. <laughs> no, exactly. And then, so the ongoing, so that carries on to that, that February, me and my father-in-law go to Cabela's. He's like, here, sell your 325 and buy a 330 at Browning Bar semi-automatic so you don't forget how your bolt works <laughs> I was like, are you serious right now that's awesome i was like you just you guys are just cutting me down <laughs> but uh, it sounds like you got a good hunting partner there oh yeah he's great you know and i love my in-laws you know we had a, we had a heart to heart out there he goes you know if i you know i didn't have no sons but if you were my real son that that that's who i want you that's who i would, would want you to be is you mm. i'm like man that's that nice. means a lot you know yeah oh, that's cool man well justin i i really appreciate you giving us some time tonight and uh reaching out and, and telling that story because it is most certainly a, a good one and I've, I've been itching to get some good elk stories again and you got me fired up making i don't know if it's going to pan out for me to go this year but uh i'll definitely be headed back out your direction sometime and i uh, appreciate you coming on and sharing your stories tonight man oh yeah man no problem you know and like you said if you plan on coming out you know hit me up and you know we'll be yeah. going from there Absolutely. Well, you have a good night, man. Thank you. You too, buddy. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Really appreciate Justin coming on, especially in between Christmas and New Year's when we recorded that. And uh, he did a great job. Amazing story. I loved hearing that. You know, he, he talked about something, and I think every guest talks about this, the importance of, you know, the thrill of the hunt and all of that. But he talked about filling the freezer and um, how that meat is so important. And I think about uh, Matthew six eleven. Give us this day our daily bread. You know, that's part of uh, the Lord's Prayer, if you've ever heard that before. Give us today our our daily bread. 
And I just got to be truly honest and say, I'm just grateful that God provides every single day. Um, we might think that we go out, we work hard, and that money that we earn is, uh, we somehow are entitled to not only our daily bread, but our daily like butter and jam that goes on the bread. Like We have so much, uh, so much excess. I think about how many, we had to get rid of Christmas presents in order to bring in Christmas presents. We, we're just extremely blessed. I feel that in my family and... Um, I'm just grateful that God gives me so much more than daily bread because the reality is it could be taken away in a second. Like, it, it really could just go in at the drop of a hat, and, and I'm just grateful for God's grace that he allows me to have food to put on the table for my family. And, and part of that comes from hunting. Um, I don't know if that's your sole source of food. Uh, we have other things. We we buy a beef, or we'll have a pig in the in the in the freezer, and we, our freezer is full. But I'm grateful for that deer. It, every time I I just the other night I made some venison quesadillas, and took some uh, canned venison that I had, and and made some quesadillas, and they were just delicious. But they were even more delicious because I know where that meat came from, and I'm grateful that God allowed me to go out and. Uh, so I, I thank them every single time I'm able to go out, hunt safely, and every time I'm able to get a deer down. Um, or hopefully one day an elk, because that would be a lot of meat. So <laughs> I'm going to try and empty out my freezer this year so I got an excuse to go hunting in 2022. So guys, thank you so much once again for coming back for another episode. I hope that the start of your new year is going great, and I'm excited for you to come back next week where we're going to hear the story of my 20. Well, I guess it'd be 2021 buck. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Remember to shed the light.